Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 164 of the GDPR Weekly Show. And before we give you the contents of this week's episode, we'd just like to place on record our congratulations to Dr. Jackie Taylor. Dr. Jackie Taylor, as you know, is a fairly regular contributor to the GDPR Weekly Show. And we were delighted this week to learn that she's been placed 15th in the 2021 list of the most influential women in UK technology. So congratulations, Jackie, and we look forward to seeing you here on the GDPR Weekly Show again very soon. So coming up in episode 164 of the GDPR Weekly Show, we have news that Giant Umbrella, a contractor umbrella company, has suffered a data breach which has disrupted its contractor payments. We then travel up to Suffolk, where Stowmarket High School has suffered a data breach. And then staying on the east coast of England, we travel up to Lincolnshire, where Lincolnshire police have paid £10,000 in damages after a data breach by one of its police constables. We then have important news for you if your website uses WordPress, and particularly if you use the Cookie Yes WordPress GDPR plugin. It's really important that you update to the latest version of that plugin, as a serious security flaw has been found in the plugin. We then travelled to Northern Ireland where a mental health unit has suffered a data breach after files were left on desks overnight. And we talk about the wider implications of that. We then travelled to Malta where the Malta Union of Teachers has filed a complaint after a data breach. And then to France where the French Visa Applications website has been hit by a data breach. We then travelled across to the USA where a very important Senate bill is proposing stiff penalties for not notifying data breaches right across the USA, so not in a particular state, but a federal law right across the whole country. Remaining in the US, we then have news of a data breach at luxury retailer Nyman Marcus, and we also have a data breach at Ford Air, a freight transportation company. And then we travel to Texas, where the Port of Houston recently had a data breach, but due to the technology and processes it has in place, it was really, really successful in that the Port of Houston managed to contain the data breach within just 90 minutes. So we have details of that. We then have news that two US mental health facilities have both been affected by data breaches. And then we return to the UK and look at can an employee make a data subject access request while they're awaiting an employment tribunal, i.e. you might have dismissed them, they're awaiting the tribunal. Can they make a data subject access request in that time? And do you have to fulfil that request? Well, we update you later in this week's show. We then have a reminder that the new EU standard contractual clauses must be used in any contracts being signed after the 27th of September 2021. And staying with the EU standard contractual clauses, we have good news that the Swiss data regulator has now accepted the EU standard contractual clauses. And then we take a view on whether you can use standard contractual clauses, and of course we're still waiting for the new UK standard contractual clauses to be approved but once they are can you use those clauses as 90% of a data processing agreement so we discuss that here on the GDPR weekly show and finally this week we have a league table of GDPR penalties which countries are finding the most and which are finding the least so as always a wide range of articles for you on this week's edition of the GDPR weekly show we do hope you find the articles useful and informative as always, if you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprwitchyshow.com. We do read every single piece of feedback we receive, and wherever possible, we incorporate your suggestions for improvements into the show. 
However, due to the volume of feedback we receive, it's not always possible to respond to each piece of feedback individually. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. We begin this week with news that a data breach at payroll service provider Giant Umbrella has meant that it's been unable to pay its contractors on time. The company published a statement on Friday the 24th of September that confirmed it had temporarily suspended all services and taken all of its systems offline after a suspicious activity was detected on its network two days before. According to the statement, this course of action was taken as a measure of caution but has resulted in potentially thousands of contractors who provide services through the firm not being paid as expected on Friday. We appreciate the getting paid in a timely manner is of the utmost importance and this is a responsibility we take extremely seriously, the statement continued. We are working hard to ensure as minimal disruption to payment schedules as possible and we will confirm that your payroll is back to normal at the earliest opportunity. In a follow-up statement published over the weekend, the company confirmed that it managed to process 8,000 of the outstanding wage payments but at the time we go to broadcast there were still reports emerging online from contractors who are yet to be paid. Many contractors have complained that all of Giant's lines of communication have been down since Wednesday 22nd of September, making it impossible for contractors to contact the firm via phone or email. We've ourselves reached out to Giant Group for more comment, but they've not come back to us as we go to broadcast. But Giant Umbrella is not the only umbrella firm to have difficulties this week. United Payroll has also run into problems. A post on United Payroll's website on Wednesday said it experienced some severe issues with its payroll system over a two-day period starting on the 16th of September that resulted in a security issue with its bank account that left it unable to make any payments to any workers. We do apologise for this unprecedented and very unfortunate situation. We are hoping this is resolved in a very timely manner and we will immediately pay all workers their due payment, the company statement added. If we receive any update on this, either from Giant Umbrella or United Payroll, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of the DigiPal Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Stone Market in Suffolk now, and Stone Market High Store is carrying out a full security review after a data breach meant that personal information of 200 special education needs and or disabilities pupils was accessed by a parent. Dave Lee Allen, head teacher at Stonemarket High School, was written to parents to apologise for the incident and has thanked families for their understanding after the data breach. In the letter which he sent to all parents of the 855 children that attend the school, he wrote, Rest assured, lessons are to be learned and full security review is taking place. The data breach occurred after a member of staff mistakenly stored personal information from 200 special education needs and or disabilities pupils on a SharePoint page which was initially set up for use when pupils were learning from home. Mr Lee Allen said the stall SharePoint pages were accessible to anyone with a Stone Market High email address. However, he'd been assured by the parent who accessed the documents they did not open them and view the content. When the stall realised the data breach had occurred, senior staff immediately informed the Waveney Valley Academy's Trust, the Information Commissioner's Office and the Local Education Authority. They've also received advice from Microsoft to help stress test the stall's SharePoint pages. Staff at the stall have now shut down the page that contained the personal information and checked no other pages breached data regulation rules. Mr Lee Allen said the loophole that has led to this breach has been closed and the file has been removed. The head teacher said he's received a total of six emails from parents concerned about the data breach. He said the vast majority of his parents said they understood mistakes happen and that they support the school. He added, I apologise for any stress that has been caused. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. 
to Lincolnshire now and Lincolnshire police have been forced to pay out £10,000 after a police constable illegally carried out a data breach. The officer was sacked after he used the police database for his own gain. PC Fraser Green lost his job after he accessed the police database in May 2019 to undertake checks on Faye Horgan's vehicle without valid cause to do so following a dispute between his partner and Ms Horgan. Faye Horgan was advised of the incident in November 2019 when an anti-corruption unit caseworker visited to inform her of the unauthorised access from Green. A misconduct hearing for Fraser Green was held at Bowton Woods Hotel in Grantham between October 19th and 23rd 2020 where the verdict saw him dismissed from the force for gross misconduct. Upon hearing about the actions of former PC Green, Mrs Horgan approached Matthew McConnell of Irving's Law as a list of his specialising actions against the police and data protection. A formal letter of claim was issued to Lincolnshire Police alleging that Mrs Horgan's privacy had been invaded under the Human Rights Act as well as there being a breach of general data protection regulation. The claim was later settled out of court for £10,000 plus legal costs. Following the statement, Mr McConville said, It goes without saying that our clients and the public in general have the right to expect integrity in the police service and ensure confidence in police officers to act in a professional manner. Unfortunately, there's been a definite shortfall in the service that Mrs Horgan has received from Lincolnshire Police and specifically PC Green in this instant. Although this should never have occurred in the first place, and neither should Mrs Horgan have had to issue and serve court proceedings to seek the appropriate redress that she deserves, we welcome the force's willingness to settle without the need of attending an expensive trial where the public purse would be on the line. We at Irving's Law will continue to represent those across the country who have been failed by the police and their officers for the recourse that they're entitled to, just like Mrs Horgan. If your website uses WordPress and you make use of the popular GDPR plugin Cookie Yes, then you should ensure that you've updated it to the latest version of the plugin as they've fixed a XSS bug following a large-scale PHP audit. The cross-site scripting vulnerability related to the insecure use of PHP's extract function, according to researchers. As a result, the Cookie Yes GDPR Cookie Consent and Compliance Notice plugin which has more than 1 million active installations, no longer uses the extract function in the shortcodes module as per a software update released on September 29th. In a blog post published on September 24th, Plugin Vulnerabilities, a WordPress security service, said it tested the 100 most popular plugins in the WordPress plugin directory for similar issues identified five in total that use the extract function insecurely. The extract function imports variables into the local symbol table from an array Converting array keys into variable names and array values into variable values. The flaw in the Cookie Yes GDPR plugin relates to a lack of validation or sanitization of the user input. The problem is simple to fix. Just simply ensure that you update your Cookie Yes plugin to the latest version. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse Thursday, 4 p.m. UK time. In Northern Ireland now and data breaches at a mental health facility which left patient files fully exposed have led to a security review being ordered by Belfast Trust. A member of the public blew the whistle on the serious security failures which was in the doors of Rasslin Unit at Knock Bracken Healthcare Park left wide open after 22 hours and confidential files unsecured on desks in open offices. The facility lies within 275 acres of parkland near South Belfast which is easily accessible and popular with dog walkers. According to a 2015 Regulation and Quality Improvement Authority report, Rasslin was an acute admission ward for adult male and female patients, providing single-room accommodation for up to 24 patients. 
It was still being used for inpatients in 2019, but during the pandemic it had been operating only as an outpatient facility. A section unit known as Pharmacy, which contains old patient files, has also been seen with doors open and windows at night by a separate dog walker who says she's warned the trust about it on multiple occasions. It's not clear if the building is still used as a pharmacy. The whistleblower, who wishes to remain anonymous, said, If they were my relatives, I'd be outraged. She said that last week she entered the building to search for her dog after it had run inside the building during a walk. Every door except the front door was wide open, she said. My dog thought it was an invitation and tore in and ran down the corridor before I knew it. There were no alarms and all was expensive equipment and computers just sitting there with the lights all on. She said she closed the door herself and alerted the nurse who she met on the ground who immediately made a call to ask for someone to come and lock the doors. I was still walking in the area almost an hour later, she said, no one had shown up. The reason I have to come to is that no one cares. A trust spokesman said a review of security is underway but insisted there had been no interference with any patient data. Staff were satisfied that no items in the building had been disturbed or removed, he said. This review includes physical security measures such as locks on doors and windows, as well as reminding staff of the responsibility for securing the premises when all personnel have left. Visitors who use not Bracken for leisure activities such as dog walking are reminded to use only public paths for their own safety, he said. They should not enter any building without consent in accordance with Belfast Trust COVID-19 infection control protocols. This episode perhaps serves as a useful reminder that whilst everyone thinks of GDPR being computer data, not so many people realise that it also covers paper data. And so you can have a data breach simply by leaving someone's file on your desk when the office is unattended. And so the lesson, it's a lesson that we teach to all of our clients, is really quite simple. All you need to do is make sure that at night you have a clear desk policy where any confidential documents are locked away. If you need any help with implementing a policy or you think that you might need a review of your policies, then we would of course be delighted to help you. And please contact us on the contact details that are coming up right now. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com To Malta now, and on Wednesday this week, the Malta Union of Teachers wrote to the Office of the Information and Data Protection Commissioner to file a data breach complaint for the actions carried out by the Ministry of Education. In a statement, the multi-union of teachers said that on Tuesday evening it was informed that the Ministry of Education was calling the partners of teachers to relay information of a deployment transferred to another school of the teacher as from today. The multi-union of teachers say that this is unprecedented and the union objected about this action, which constitutes a data breach since the ministry should not have any access to personal mobile contacts of teachers' partners. In cases that it might have, this cannot be used in such circumstances, but only in life-threatening emergencies. The Malta Union of Teachers therefore requested the Office of the Information and Data Protection Commissioner to intervene in the breach. If we receive any update on this from the Malta Information and Data Protection Commissioner, we will to bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To France now, and the personal data of visa applicants hoping to visit or emigrate to France has been exposed in a cyber attack targeting the French government's France Visas website. France's Ministry of Foreign Affairs and the Ministry of the Interior, who jointly manage the site, said the attack took place on August 10th and was quickly neutralised. The compromised data details entered during visa applications included email addresses, first and last names, dates of birth, nationalities and passport numbers or identity card numbers. No financial or sensitive data as defined by GDPR was compromised, the government ministry said. The ministry did not disclose how many individuals were impacted or a range of dates within which the application was compromised. 
The statement intimates that the stolen data would not be sufficient for the attackers to access government services under the guise of victims. The French government ministry said they immediately implemented measures to secure france-visas.gov.fr and prevent further attacks. Affected individuals have been notified of the data breach and have been given recommendations for protecting their personal data and online identities, they said. The French data protection regulator CNIL has been notified and a judiciary investigation is underway. If we receive any further update on this from the ministries in France or from CNIL, we will of course bring it to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. If you're a regular listener to the GDPR Weekly Show, you'll know that we've often spoken about the need for there to be a nationwide data privacy law in the USA, rather than the current situation where whilst we have the California Consumer Protection Act and various acts in some other states, there's no cohesive base on which data protection within the US is secured. That might be about to change because a new bipartisan bill dubbed the Cyber Incident Notification Act of 2021 was just introduced by the Senate Intelligence Committee. This new bill, if approved, mandates all government contractors, agencies and critical infrastructure operators to report all cybersecurity incidents and ransomware attacks to the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency within 24 hours of experience in a breach of intrusion. Failure to do so will result in fines as high as half a percent of the firm's prior year gross revenues per day the violation continues. So, for example, if a business had a gross annual revenue of $1 billion, the firm could face fines up to $5 million per day for each day it does not disclose the incident. Contractors that violate disclosure requirements may be subject to additional penalties, such as removal of business from federal business. The bill does grant limited immunity to companies that report a breach. In addition, federal agencies will help investigate root causes and provide recommendations to mitigate the breach or intrusion. Cyber attacks are known to cause ripple effects for hundreds of thousands of companies. If victims report breaches in time and swift action is taken, it's more likely the threat will be neutralised or contained before it inflicts catastrophic damage. The state in the US recognised that at the moment some companies take 53 days to disclose a data breach. The bill also presses CISA to initiate contact with the victims within two business days of the breach notification so the government can mobilise its full resources in a bid to reduce the scale of the attack. The bill is but one of 18 new cybersecurity bills, many with bipartisan support, which are in the pipeline for Senate to approve. They cover such things as boosting security infrastructure to improving security literacy, communication and coordination between government entities, and there are several new bills on the horizon in the way to the colonial pipeline ransomware attack, which was considered a national emergency. If you'd like more details on the colonial pipeline attack, you can find those in episodes 147, 148 and 158 of the GDPR Weekly Show. Recently, the House panel approved a historic increase in CISA's cybersecurity budget. While this new bill only affects companies that deal with the state directly, whether that be at federal or state level, it's to be hoped that it perhaps might form the foundation of a US equivalent to GDPR, which could then apply right across the United States. And it's something which we will be watching with interest and we'll bring you regular updates on here in the GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. Remaining in America, an American luxury retailer, Nyman Marcus Group, has just disclosed a major data breach impacting approximately 4.6 million customers. The data breach occurred sometime in May 2020, 
after an unauthorised party obtained the personal information of some Nyman Marcus customers from their online accounts. Nyman Marcus is working with law enforcement agencies and has selected cybersecurity company Mandiant to assist with its investigation. Yesterday, Nyman Marcus disclosed that its 2020 data breach impacted about 4.6 million customers with Nyman Marcus online accounts. The personal information of these customers was potentially compromised during the incident. The information includes names, addresses, contact information, usernames and passwords of Nyman Marcus online accounts, payment card numbers and expiration dates, although not the CVV numbers, Nyman Marcus virtual gift numbers, but not the PINs, and security questions of Nyman Marcus online accounts. For millions of customers being notified about the incident, approximately 3.1 million payment and virtual gift cards were affected, more than 85% of which have expired or invalid, said the company in a statement. No active Nyman Marcus branded credit cards were impacted. As of now, there's no indication that online customer accounts at Birdsoft, Goodman or Horchow were impacted. Although the data breach occurred over a year ago, Nyman Marcus Group says it only became aware of the incident this September. It isn't clear if Nyman Marcus had stored user account passwords in plain text or if they were properly hashed and sorted. Shortly after becoming aware of the incident, Nyman Marcus began prompting its customers to reset their passwords before they could log into their online accounts. Our investigation is ongoing and we are working quickly to determine the nature and scope of the matter. To protect our customers, we required an online account password reset for affected customers who had not changed their passwords since May 2020. Consumers should also change their passwords for accounts on other websites where they'd used a similar or same password as the one for their Nyman Marcus account. Nyman Marcus said that affected individuals can request a copy of their credit report at no charge. Nyman Marcus has set up a dedicated support centre on 866-571-9725, that's obviously if you're within the USA, that consumers can ring seven days a week and should mention the engagement number B019206. If we receive any further update from Nyman Marcus, we will, of course, bring it to you here on the GDPR Weekly Show. <laughs> Romanian America and trucking giant Ford Air has disclosed a data breach after a ransomware attack that allowed threat actors to access employees' personal information. In December 2020, Ford Air suffered a ransomware attack by what was believed to be a new cybercrime game known as Hades. This attack caused Ford Air to shut down its network, which led to business disruption and inability to release freight for transport. An SEC filing by Ford Air states that the company lost $7.5 million of less-than-load freight revenue, primarily because the company's need to temporarily suspend its electronic data interfaces with its customers. As part of the attack, the threat actors created a Twitter account that they claimed would be used to leak data stolen from Ford Air. However, no data was ever seen to be leaked by the threat actors. Ford Air is now disclosing that current and the ransomware attack exposed former employees' data. On December 15, 2020, Ford Air learned of suspicious activity occurring within certain company computer systems. Ford Air immediately launched an investigation to determine the nature and scope of the incident, reads the data breach notification sent to Ford Air employees. The investigation determined that certain Ford Air systems were accessible in November and early December 2020, and that certain data which may have included your personal information was potentially viewed or taken by an unknown actor. The information that the actors potentially accessed includes employees' names, addresses, dates of birth, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, passport numbers or bank account numbers. While Ford Air states there's no indication the data has been misused, they're offering affected people a free one-year membership to the MyTrue Identity Credit Monitoring Services. As there is no way to determine if a threat actor has used stolen data, even if the bomb is not to after a ransom payment, all affected employees should assume their data has been compromised, the company said. 
The company said it advised employees to monitor their credit reports, bank statements and be on the lookout for phishing attacks. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse Thursday, 4 p.m. UK time. Remaining in the US, we travel now to Texas and a data breach at the Port of Houston, which amazingly was dealt with within 90 minutes of the breach occurring. To understand why that's important, the Port of Houston is responsible for around $74.3 billion of total personal wages and salaries supported by maritime activity at the public and private terminals located at the Port of Houston. It's also supported 1,350,695 direct, induced, indirect and related jobs in the state of Texas and 3,208,800 jobs throughout the U.S. The port is the second largest in the USA in terms of overall tonnage and is the largest receiver of foreign trade. Every year, over 250 million tonnes of cargo pass through the port, generating an economic value of $300 billion. A successful cyber attack could have caused the port to shut down operations for days or even weeks, causing massive pile-ups in supply chains already stretched due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Initially, the attack seemed successful, taking advantage of a zero-day vulnerability in the port's self-service single sign-on product. But prompt detection of unusual activity by the port's automated systems and the activation of existing plan for managing incidents allowed the compromised network to be isolated within 90 minutes of the breach. The Port of Houston's 90-minute response and mitigation time is a significant improvement on up to 280 days, which other organisations have reported. The port systems and operational data were protected due to a preventive security measure already in place. It had good password management, modern privileged account management systems that do more than act as simple vaults for secrets such as passwords. They also log all authentication activity and watch for strange patterns in user and system activity. The Houston attack, which officials suspect to have been perpetrated by a foreign government, was contained due to the organisation's privileged account management solution. This really does have a good example of why cybersecurity measures are paramount for any business anywhere in the world, really. And that's why we have our tagline of Insurity protecting the future of your business. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. Across America, data breaches at two American mental health care providers may have exposed thousands of individuals' personal health information. Horizon House Inc., which is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, warned that 27,823 people might have been impacted by a cyber attack that took place in the winter. The Mental Health and Residential Treatment Services provider detected suspicious activity on its IT network on March 5th, and the investigation revealed that the health care provider's IT system had been infected with ransomware. In a security notice, Horizon House said, Horizon House systems were accessible by an unknown actor between March 2nd, 2021 and March 5th, 2021, and certain data was exfiltrated from the Horizon House systems. A review of the files compromised in the incident determined that the unknown cyber attacker gained access to data including names, addresses, social security numbers, driver's license numbers, state identification card numbers, dates of birth, financial account information, medical claim information, medical record numbers, patient account numbers, medical diagnosis, medical treatment information and health insurance information. Horizon House has notified all the individuals affected by the security breach and advised them to be on the lookout for fraudulent activity. Another mental health institution to be affected by a data breach is the Samaritan Centre of Puget Sound, 
which is issued a daily pitch warning after a computer server and other electronic equipment was stolen from its locked offices in Seattle, Washington. Although the stolen computer and server were password protected, the center raised concerns that a brute force attack could render them accessible. Data stored on the stolen server included the names, appointment dates, diagnosis, copies of charting content, addresses, phone numbers, copies of deposited checks, training videos, insurance information, social security numbers and copies of billing statements of clients who access services before July 2019. The centre, which provides spiritually integrated counselling and mental health support, reported the theft to the IHHS Office for Civil Rights as a data breach, impacting 20,866 individuals. If we receive any updates on either of these data breaches, we will, of course, bring them to you in the next available episode of the GDPR Witchy Show. Back to the UK now, an interesting case which was brought to the attention of our help desk concerning data subject access requests made when an employee is subject to a employment tribunal. So maybe you've dismissed somebody, they're waiting for the date for the tribunal, and they put in a data subject access request to you. What should you do? Well, in this particular case, which involves First Choice Selection Services Limited, a Northern Ireland employment agency, they informed the individual that it would only release the information requested when they were instructed to do so by the tribunal. However, the individual then made the complaint to the ICO, which found that as well as failing to comply with the data subject access request, First Choice was in breach of its accountability principle, demonstrating that their data processing activities comply with data protection principles. The ICO served an enforcement notice dated the 2nd of March 2021, requiring first choice by the 1st of April 2021 to properly respond to the data subject access request and to make changes to their internal systems, procedures and policies to ensure that they identify and respond to future data subject access requests. They were reminded that failure to comply with the enforcement notice could result in a fine of up to £17.5 million or 4% of their global turnover, whichever was higher. This is an important ruling from the ICO because of course it follows the principle that the person making a data subject access request is not required to explain the purpose of their request, although their motivation for making it could be relevant when considering whether or not it's excessive or disproportionate. Regardless of the company's suspicions about the claimant's motive, the notice serves as a reminder for employers that they must have posters in place to ensure they recognise and respond to data subject access requests and that if a data subject access request is made at the same time as a tribunal claim, the employer must comply in the normal way. If you'd like help with your procedures for complying with data subject access requests, then please do get in touch with us using the contact details that are coming up right now. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com We've spoken before on the GDPR Weekly Show about the new standard contractual clauses from the European Commission and just a reminder that the new standard contractual clauses must be used for any contract being signed after September the 27th, 2021. If you have any contracts that are pre-existing, then you must update those to the new standard contractual clauses between now and December the 27th, 2022. So you've got about 15 months to update any existing contracts, but any new ones must include the new standard contractual clauses and not the old ones. The new standard contractual clauses span over 25 pages and adopt a layered modular approach. The highlights are really that, firstly, the new clauses are wholly within the spirit of GDPR. For example, the obligation to notify data subjects and relevant supervisors authority in the case of a personal data breach has been updated to refer to a breach that's likely to result in a risk to the rights of freedoms of individuals as opposed to resulting in a significant adverse effect 
which was in the previous draft. Secondly, there's now a wider range of parties and relationships allowed under a modular approach. And thirdly, there's an obligation on all parties to conduct and record a transfer impact assessment. And the important word there, I think, is all parties. So it's not enough for the party sending the data, so the data controller normally, to the data processor to conduct a transfer impact assessment. The data processor must also conduct a data transfer assessment with the data coming from the data controller. And essentially, it's because when you use the new standard contractual clauses, you're saying that you warrant that they have no reason to believe that the laws and practices in the third country of destination applicable to processing the personal data by the data importer, including any requirements to disclose personal data or measures that are authorised and accessed by public authorities, prevent the data importer from fulfilling its obligations under the new standard contractual clauses. Fourthly, it puts an obligation on the data importer to notify the exporter of public authority access requests and review the legality of such a request. So, what it means is if you've got a data processor in an overseas country and they receive a request from the government of that country to release some of that data, they need to notify the data controller that that request has been made before they release the data. The new standard contractual clauses are also aimed at being far more transparent and they also deal with onward transfers where the data importer might themselves have a further sub-processor who's processing the data. The new standard contractual clauses also give the data subjects more rights so they can take up their rights directly with the data processor rather than having to go through the data controller if the data controller has failed to take appropriate action itself. The other change in the new standard contractual clauses is that the data importer agrees to submit itself to the jurisdiction of and cooperate with the relevant data protection regulator of an EU member state including by responding to inquiries, making itself available for audits and complying with any measures adopted by that regulator. And the new standard contractual clauses also envisage that the parties in all modules agree on technical and organisational measures. We would doubtless be returning to the standard contractual clauses and indeed of course the UK standard contractual clauses once they're finalised in future episodes of the GDPR Wiki Show. To Switzerland now and remaining with standard contractual clauses, on the 27th of August 2021, the Swiss Federal Data Protection and Information Commissioner, the FDPIC, formally recognised the new EU standard contractual clauses for international transfers from Switzerland to third countries if adoptions are made which are necessary under Swiss data protection law. The starting point of the FDPIC's guidance is the fact that the company which intends to transfer personal data to a third country the data exporter may be subject to the Swiss Federal Data Protection Act, FADP, and GDPR at the same time. If that's the case, then the exporter cannot change the standard contractual clauses itself, but must also ensure that requirements under Swiss data protection law are taken into account. So if the transfer is from a EU country, or indeed the UK for that matter, into Switzerland, then the exporter must mandatory designate the FDPIC as the competent supervisory authority, and choose either Switzerland or the law of a country that grants third-party beneficiary rights as governing law. If the transfer is subject to FADP and GDPR, then the exporter has two options. Option A provides that the parties with a rather pragmatic approach, which adopts the GDPR as the standard for all international transfers, including the ones that are subject to FADP. Consequently, the governing law will be the law of an EU member state, and any dispute arising from standard contractual clauses must be resolved by the courts of that EU member state. In option B, the parties opt 
include two sets of standard contractual clauses, one that governs international transfers subject to Swiss data protection laws, and a separate one which governs international transfers subject to GDPR. However, both of those options would entail parallel supervision, and as a consequence, the parties must include in wording in the corresponding annex of the standard contractual clauses, stipulating that the FDPIC is responsible in parallel to the competent EU supervisory authority. In both scenarios, the standard contractual clauses must have an annex stating that the term member state should not be interpreted in a way that would preclude data subjects in Switzerland from enforcing their rights at their place of habitual residence. The annex must also include wording which specifies that the SCC, the standard contractual clauses, also protect the data of legal entities until the entry into force of the revised FADP. So if you are using data processes, particularly in Switzerland, then this is a very useful change to the Swiss data protection laws. Want to ask GDPR questions live? Come and join our GDPR surgery on Clubhouse, Thursday, 4pm UK time. When we talk about standard contractual clauses, generally we always think about that where the data controller is in one country and the data processor is in another. But an interesting point made to us by some lawyers this week was that Technically, there is no reason why you can't use standard contractual clauses, the new standard contractual clauses, or indeed the UK standard contractual clauses when they're finalised, as the basis of your data processing agreement with any of your data processors, regardless of where they are. So even if you're using a company just down the road as your data processor, nothing to stop you using the standard contractual clauses as the basis of your data processing agreement, which strikes us as a really sensible idea now that the standard contractual clauses have a modular format which makes them easy to work with. If you'd like further information on how you can use the standard contractual clauses to do that, then please do contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com and one of our specialists will get back to you. And we finish this week with a look at the top 10 countries who've given the least number of GDPR fines and the top 10 countries who've given the most GDPR fines. So for the least number of fines, we have Malta in first place, followed by the Isle of Man in second place and the Netherlands in third place, Slovakia fourth, Croatia fifth, Portugal sixth, Iceland seventh, Estonia eighth, Latvia ninth, and United Kingdom 10th. So those are the lowest. So what about the highest? Well, I'm going to count the highest down in reverse order. So at number 10, we have Bulgaria. At number 9, we have Poland. Number 8 is Belgium. Number 7 is Sweden. Number 6 is Germany. Number 5 is Norway. Number 4 is Hungary. Number 3 is Romania. Number 2 is Italy. And number 1 is Spain. I would just add that to me there's no surprise that Spain and Italy are at the top because we know that their regulators are very, very active. I think the surprise in that list is Bulgaria at number 10 because Bulgaria for a long time had not really started on the implementation of GDPR at all and so that they are now issuing penalties and they've already got above the UK, for instance, in the chart for number of penalties and amount of penalties is quite an achievement by the Bulgarian data regulator. So hats off to them. We will doubtless return to this survey the next time it's run because it's always interesting to see who are the top performers and who are the bottom feeders as far as GDPR penalties are concerned. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. 
The GDPR Weekly Show is an insurety production. Until next time, bye-bye.